and welcome to Homegrown History with Limestone County Archivist Rebecca Davis and longtime Athens, Alabama native Richard Martin. Each episode, Richard and Rebecca backtrack in time to explore some of the more famous and infamous events etched in Limestone County's rich history. Hi, welcome to Homegrown History. This is the Limestone County History Podcast. I'm Rebecca Davis, and I'm here with my co-host. I'm Richard Martin, the oldest one here. (laughs) That's right, and that's why he's here, because not only does he know the history, he lived it. And just to tell you a little bit about who we are, I am the archivist at the Limestone County Archives. I've been there for 10 years learning about Limestone County history, And but before that, my family, I can't claim to be a native of Limestone County because my family moved here when I was three. But we moved here in 1981, and Richard is... I'm old. (laughs) He's 81. My family on my mother's side came here in 1810, so we know a lot of history. That's right. And tell a little bit more about about who you are and what you remember from kind of growing up in Athens, Richard. Growing up in Athens in the 40s and the 50s, we had a lot of fun, and all those boys had a BB gun and a bicycle, and we'd ride all over town on that and find what we could find. And I grew up here in the 1980s, and back then, people still let their kids ride their bikes all over town, too. I'd actually ride up to the library whenever I was a library page up here as a teenager. And so uh, this is full circle for me. But anyway, we'll bring you some good homegrown stories about the history of Athens and Limestone County. Exactly. And so we're going to talk about, over the course of however many episodes we do, we're just going to carry you through some of our favorite stories of Limestone County history and some of the high points, the things that happened and the people that shaped Limestone County into what we know today, starting all the way back with some of the natives and carrying all the way through to what you see around you today. Well, some of the early settlements came here in 1807, came down the Tennessee River, and we're going to tell you all about that and where they came into and stayed. And then we're going to tell you a little about Fort Hampton and why there was a Fort Hampton. And then we're going to tell you about Elk County, that's Limestone County. We're going to tell you a little bit about that and then the territory. Yeah, and some of the interesting things, I think, too, about some of those first people and Fort Hampton is usually when you think about the fort, it was those forts were established, you think about the Wild West, to protect the settlers from the natives. But here it was the other way around, wasn't it? The Sims settlement, those Sims folks who came down the river, they were coming into Chickasaw Territory. This was They were basically illegal immigrants right. in Chickasaw Nation, weren't they? That's right. Yeah, you so, come from a bunch of illegals. Explains mm-hmm. a lot, Richard. But we'll, we'll take you down to Easter Ferry Road, tell you where to go look for sites to visit and all that. That's true. One of the things that the Limestone County Historical Society and the archives and many other groups have done is try to highlight some of these areas around the county. So as we go through this, you're going to see places that maybe you've seen that bronze marker on the side of the road and you go, well, I wonder what that's all about. Well, read it, first of all, right? Right. But then we're also going to take some time during this podcast to tell you more about some of those places. Some of the early, um, early towns 
For for example, most folks know, most folks around here know that Mooresville is older than the state, is one of the first um, incorporated towns in the state, but Athens is only three days younger, isn't it? Three days younger. <laughs> We're yeah. a couple Athens folks. We have a little Athens pride. That's right. We're coming on. In November of 1818, after Limestone County was established in February of 1818, and, uh, and we'll talk about some of the um, history of some of our most notable um, buildings around here, like the first courthouse, which was built when they cleared off the square to, they cleared the trees off the square and used the logs to build the courthouse. Yeah, everything was built by logs. Everything was, you know, that's the way to do it. There's so much good timber around here. Right. And, of course, no Limestone County History podcast would be complete with talking about the trains and the war, Civil War. Athens was one of those places where the Union troops occupied, and so there was damage. I mean, even the courthouse was burned. We're really blessed to still have a lot of the records that we do. But tell a little bit about Fort Henderson and what happened there. I know you've had a lot to do with the Sulphur Creek Trestle Fort, too. Yeah. The Battle of Athens was in September of 64, 1864, one day, and that's where the African-American soldiers were. Oh, speaking stationed. of trains. Yes, here come a train. <laughs> where we record is right by the railroad tracks, so you're going to hear a train every now and then. It'll just add to the ambiance, won't it? Right, that's right. So <laughs> anyway, uh, the Battle of Athens, and then after that battle, they went up towards Elkmont, about eight miles up the road, and there was a trussle up there called Suffolk Creek Trussle, and they had a... That was a major battle in the state of Alabama, one of the most major ones, and then had a battle there. And there were African-American soldiers there also. They were fighting for their freedom, and we have a lot of beautiful stories about them. That's right. That's one of the things I think is most fascinating about some of the Civil War battles here is that many of the people who fought there at Fort Henderson at Suffer Creek Trestle were former enslaved people who left the plantations around here, signed up for the Union, and they're fighting. They built those forts. They built them to fight for their freedom. And then, of course, after the war, where did they go? They, after the war, they started Trinity School, a lady that was a nurse for the Wisconsin boys. And she stayed down here and started the Trinity School for the African-American kids. So that's how they got started. And, of course, you'll be surprised who came out of that. And you need to stay tuned to hear all that, too. That's a beautiful story. Absolutely. And, and of course, you know, education has always been important here. I know we Athens State University is the uh, oldest institution of higher education in Alabama, uh, oldest continually operating. And... I know one of the things that we're really excited about doing with this podcast, Richard, is bringing in folks who know more than we do, aren't we? I hope so. That's right. (laughs) For example, Harry Joyner, our friend, who is uh, retired from Athens State, has graciously agreed to join us in some of the first episodes to talk about early Alabama, to talk about the history of Athens State, which will be celebrating its bicentennial in just, what, next year, isn't it? That's right. Yeah. That's right. And then, of course, some of our friends um, who attended Trinity, like David Malone and, mm-hmm. and Charlotte Fulton, who wrote the history of Trinity, is we're, we're excited about having them here to talk about what they know. Um, just kind of taking a detour off of the overview of history. Richard, I, I know one thing I'm sure you will find to be true as well. 
we both grew up here. You know, you went to school in the city schools right. here. And, and, like, I worked at the newspaper here. I thought I knew Limestone County like the back of my hand until I came to the archives. Uh-huh. And now I find that I'm learning something every day. And really, we could still be doing this podcast in 20 years if the good Lord's will and the creek right. don't rise, couldn't right. we? That's and right. still be learning new things. Right. Um, and we will here in a moment both share a couple of our favorite little tidbits in Limestone County history. Right. Um, I know some of the towns that we have here, like Ardmore, came in because of the train for the most part. Right. Belmina. Belmina is an interesting place as well. We'll tell more a little bit about that later. I will say one little tidbit about Limestone County history that I think is fascinating about Belmina. You know how Belmina got its name, don't you? Belmina, down there in um, South Limestone, was the second governor of Alabama, Thomas Bibbs, home. And he decided to build a beautiful mansion, and he wanted to be fancy, so he called it Bell Manor, French for beautiful mansion. But what he didn't count on was... <laughs> All these southern folks around here who talk about, you know, let's go up to the Belmont and see Mama them. And over the years, the name changed from Bell Manor to Belmont, and that's what it is to this day. I forgot about that. That's right. We'll have to do a whole uh, episode just on funny limestone county names, won't we? Our southern accent. Yeah, well, we both got that one down pat, don't we? Yeah. So, just kind of carrying through, you know, Limestone County is doing now what it did 100 years ago, which is after the turn of the century, it really boomed, and there were a lot of people who came in, and industry, and so on, and and then sort of rose and fell with the Great Depression, but I know TVA, World War II and TVA were two of the big things that kind of um, pulled the county all together. TVA brought us out of poverty. Absolutely. I know my granddaddy was one of the Civilian Conservation Corps boys who who worked with the New Deal, and my daddy worked at the Brown Screen Nuclear Plant, which was also the largest one in the in the nation at yeah. the time it was built. Yeah, before TVA, uh, we had so much pneumonia and... Yes, typhoid. Typhoid fever. Malaria. Malaria. Yes. So they'd get quinine yeah. by the 55-gallon drums, and the druggist would, and sell that out of that because there was so much. Then when TVA came... They leveled off the creeks and everything, the land and flood, and it turned out great. So they cut out that malaria. Right. You're right. And that brings up another uh, podcast episode we intend to do is talk about pandemics and, or well, epidemics in Limestone yeah. County. You know, we're beginning this, uh, recording this as, uh, as we've been a year into the coronavirus pandemic and that's uh, uppermost in everybody's mind something we're living through history right here but you know these things have come through limestone county over the years and we can we're, we'll be talking some about that over the course yeah, of the when day. i was a kid uh, polio was a big thing and yeah we would you go to a movie because it didn't have television and we'd go to the movie and they would stop the movie and pass out the bucket to take up money so we helped fight polio right. back in the 50s. March of Dimes. March of Big Dimes. Thing. Right, mm-hmm. exactly. Well, and another thing that's very much reoccurring in Limestone County history is tornadoes. Oh, boy. There's been, you know, they used to call them cyclones back right. in the day. Right. Of course, and I lived through the 2011 tornadoes, but you lived through the 74 tornadoes. Yeah, yeah, I remember. I was at a restaurant, and it was hailing as big as, bigger than my fist, bigger wow. than my hand. And I knew we need to get out of there and go somewhere, and we went home. <laughs> find a hole to hide in. Yes, huh? find a hole, and then <laughs> tore up that part of the, the county. That's right. Well, you know, the previous assistant archivist, Sandra Birdwell, at the Limestone County Archives, yeah. her house got hit by the tornadoes in 74, actually pulled her son right up out of her arms and 
dropped him in a field nearby. She thought for sure he was a goner, but he he came out with just a few scratches. It's it's miraculous, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yes, it was, rather. So Good. we've got uh, Kelly Kazak has written an excellent book about Limestone County tornadoes, and she's agreed to join us when we get to that point in our history. And, and you know, when we think about some of the, even the more recent developments of Limestone County history, the growth of the interstates and industries, and of course, the Toyota Moss plant coming in. We're living history right now. That's it's right. it's changing Limestone County even as we speak, isn't it? That's right. It's just so many jobs are coming available, and then other industries following that too. But that interstate, good grief! I know that's about a million and a half people come down it each year. I ain't no telling how many's gonna come down in the next few years. <laughs> Tell me what it was like to grow up in Limestone County before the interstate system. There wasn't no interstate. It went right down through East Pryor Street and then Clinton Street, and I lived on East Pryor, and we'd see all them army troops coming in and all that. The buses going by and we just fascinate with all the cars. We'd sit on my porch and count cars sometimes. Mm-hmm. There were a lot. Yeah. A lot of people passed through. Well, and you were born right before World War II, right I, before your daddy went off. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about that. I was born in 39, and my father got drafted. He has four children, and he was 36 years old and got drafted, so he joined the Navy to keep from going to the Army. And then we missed him for two years. He he was gone for two years. So my mother had to raise us by herself and her father by herself. And we had help, of course, through our grandparents, had gardens and stuff like that. And, of course, we walked everywhere. You didn't have a car, so you had to walk everywhere. So it was a hard time, but it, we all wanted to do our part. We put on plays doing uh, during the war and save up some money and go to the movie. Then we'd go out and collect up scrap iron and turn it in so they could make bullets out of that scrap iron. Yeah, you That's were right. part of that effort, weren't That's you? right. Tell about that family picture you got hanging on your wall that was taken during that time. Oh, we got a family picture. The photograph man was says, all right, let's everybody smile. We're going to send this picture to your daddy. Well, <laughs> we were all just sad at all. We were all little, so we we wasn't happy because our daddy was gone. Mm-hmm. So we have that picture today telling our expressions of what we looked like and how sad we were because our daddy had left to go fight the World War Two. It's a beautiful picture of your beautiful mama and your brothers and your sister and you, but y'all do look so, so sad and well, so pitiful. Right? But anyway, we survived it. We, that, you know, that brings us to your favorite tidbit of Limestone County history. You want to go ahead and tell about what you've got about World War, with the day that uh, World War Two ended and what that was like in yeah, Limestone County? Yeah, when World War Two ended... Uh, when the Germans surrendered, the uh, the fire truck went all over, the, had flags, and went all over Athens. And Steve Allen was my next-door neighbor, my best friend. His granddaddy, R.C. Allen, was the fire chief, and he was on that. We were so proud, so I ran, got on my bike and ran home to tell my mother and she and my grandfather were dancing in the living room because <laughs> the war was over in Germany. And my cousin, Dick Martin, was flying a Piper Cub, and so he and a, another fella act like they were dog fighting, and they got in trouble about that, <laughs> showing off. But anyway, when they got home, their mamas got them. It was an exciting time when the war ended with the Germans, and then we knew Daddy had to fight the 
Japanese War finished that one off. Mm-hmm, that's right. Well, and you know, a couple of my favorite tidbits of Limestone County history have a little bit to do with World War II as well. And these are things that I never knew until I came to the Limestone County Archive. So I never really knew that I had family from here until, you know, my family's from all over. I was born in Decatur and uh, they're from all over the country. But I did learn that my great-great-grandma lived right over here in the Houston, in the Baby Historic District. And my great-great-aunt, her name was Jereen, Jereen Turner. And one day when the when the Friends of the Archives was working on a book about the first year of World War One, I, I was looking over it, and I, the name caught my eye, Jereen Turner. And it turned out it was an article with pictures of these local Athens women who were taking metal riveting classes at Athens High School, just on the other side of the tracks over here from the library where the, where the old middle school is now. And they, because all the men, of course, were off to war. And they were Athens' own, real-life Rosie the Riveters. You know, that the big muscle, we can do it. But the pictures, these ladies, I mean, they're doing man's work. And they're doing it in heels and dresses. It always reminded me of that old quote, you know, Ginger Rogers did everything that Fred Astaire did. She just did it backwards and in heels. Well, that's what my Aunt Jerrine did. And she was, um, she was the first one from Athens to get a job in the riveting industry. She went out to Memphis and, and worked on plane rivets and so on. Of course, when the, when the war was over, the men came back and they wanted their jobs back. So Jereen, she moved up to Detroit and she worked in Detroit in the metalworking industry until she retired. And I, she was still living whenever I was a little thing. And I remember my parents talking about how she was crazy and mean and all this stuff. And I always, I only ever knew her as crazy Aunt Jereen, you know, but I tell you what, she probably had to be mean to do man's work in a man's world and to be tough. And so I have a lot of respect for her. So that's, that's my favorite tidbit. It's fine. One of my favorites is just to learn that my my, my own great aunt was the first Rosie the Riveter from Limestone County. That's about what we have. And, of course, we want to talk about Trinity, and we're going to have a special guest about segregating and integrating what happened and how it happened. And, and of course, Richard, you grew up during the days of segregation. Right. And, and you know what that was like here in the right. South and here now. Well, I did. I, you know, they had colored water fountains and white water fountains, and the colored folks went up stairs in the movie and we went down and I never paid much attention to it and and then realized how bad it was and till later on in life I realized how wrong it all was so we got to make it better mm-hmm. and we got to make it better today so mm-hmm. we're going to tell you about that. Well and it's interesting that does bring me to another little tidbit of Limestone County history that I think is fascinating. So I grew up I mean just a mile as a crow flies north of Trinity, and I never knew it was there, just right off Hind Street. And, you know, growing up, driving down Hind Street, I'd see Plato Jones Street, Box Alley. You know, you hear about Box Alley and all the reasons why it was called that. And we'll do a whole episode on Plato Jones and Box Alley, because Plato Jones was a fascinating person, too. But uh, a few years ago, I found out why they called it Box Alley. And it doesn't have anything to do with the shape of the streets or who gets boxed in or what's there. It has to do with bombs. So after the World War II was over, a lot of the leftover bombs were shipped to what was then called the Huntsville Arsenal to be destroyed. And they were shipped in these real nice wooden crates with hinges and handles and so on. And wood, as you know, Richard, wood was scarce but as scarce. A, when the war was over, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. All those things had been used for the effort. Right. And so local folks there in Huntsville and all over the North Alabama area would go scavenging those boxes they were tossing out and they would 
take the wood and the hinges and handles and all that, and they would use that to build houses. Right. And uh, after about a few weeks, the Arsenal realized they could make some money off of it. So I think they started selling them for a quarter apiece for those boxes. And so people would take them. So over there on Box Alley, and there's several over in Low Mill, too, were houses that were at least partially built from bomb boxes. And that's how it became known as Box Alley. And so I'd love to be able to find some of those old, you know, markings on some of the lumber and the and the houses over there. But some of that's all long gone now. But I think that's fascinating to show just... This is one of the things I think is my um, my feeling in, in studying Limestone County history. Folks here are scrappy, aren't they? Yeah. They find good. ways to make do, to overcome circumstances, to just keep on going and rise regardless. Right. When you're poor, you got to do what you got to do. That's right. So that, I guess that kind of gives you a good sense of what we're going to be doing. We hope that you will join us uh, and follow along, subscribe on your favorite podcast listener because... We're going to bring you as much history as you can stand. That's right. <laughs> homegrown history. Look for homegrown. it. And we're homegrown, and the stories we're telling you are homegrown, too. So y'all come join us again. Bye-bye. <laughs> All right. You've been listening to Homegrown History, a podcast produced by the Athens Limestone County Public Library in cooperation with the Limestone County Archives in Athens, Alabama. Join us next time as we explore the yesterdays that have made Limestone County what it is today. For more information, please visit the archive website at limestonecounty-al.gov. To hear other recordings from our Library of Voices podcast series, please visit the Athens Limestone County Public Library's website at alcpl.org. Library Voices is also now available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. 